This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Hello, Bellator Society. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. It's Tracy Eddy, and I have Fran joining me in Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning. I was hoping you were going to say in an undisclosed place. (laughs) Fran is in a bunker. Somewhere in the Nashville area. (laughs) No one will find her. Oh my goodness. Okay, so who else feels like 2020 is just a big old kick in the kidneys? Anybody? I saw what somebody posted. Um, it's a funny story. Uh, Jim Baker, you know, the televangelist, is yeah. been selling like colloidal silver as a um, cure for coronavirus and is being... I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you heard me. And is being sued oh. by the state of Missouri. And so... Um, the attorney general in Arkansas, I, I saw, is now also suing him. He's made like, I think maybe from the Arkansas sales, like $65,000 off of colloidal. Are you telling me that a televangelist is selling something yes. to people, yes. Tracy? So I, Shocking. I saw this friend and she said, 2020 is drunk. <laughs> Jim Baker <laughs> is getting taken on by the attorney general. <laughs> and that's just where we are. That's 2020. I want to revisit this. So he's selling silver to eat? No, the, the col- what? that colloidal <laughs> silver. Have you ever heard of it? It's, <laughs> it's like some sort of a mineral, I think, that you can take that. I don't know. I don't take it. So it's it. to eat. It's to ingest. Yeah. You are to take the thing it's that like a is pill made from silver to cure the corona. I don't know what That's kind what of silver. Me? I feel like it's from like a fish oil or something. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just feels like it should be from a fish oil. I'm not real sure. But yes, he's selling like supplements that have wow. nothing to do with coronavirus. And that I think are actually just good for you. You know, okay. just if you have a sure. if you have a healthy vitamin regimen, it's it's fine to have that in there. That's but a little immuno boost yeah, for you yeah. from Jim Baker. Yeah, but it's like saying, I'm going to give you eight bottles of water that are going to going to help yeah I mean of course like having a good healthy body is going to help you but um it's not like some cure for any disease and he's been hawking it wow yeah okay yeah so he's we are in the wrong business apparently (laughs) (laughs) we're we're in the honesty business here Oh my goodness. There are so many things that we could talk about in this Catholic click. We haven't done a Catholic click in a long time. Now we've had so many um, interviewees lately, which has yeah. been really exciting. Um, some of them because of the situation we're in, which is, you know, I'd actually rather not be in this situation with just the world as it is right now with everything going on. But I even, mean, we love talking to the people. We just wish it was under different circumstances. A hundred percent. But, but yeah, we've, we've been kind of rich with just fun people to talk to. And, and we've had a lot of um, guests who have been able to accommodate their schedules with our schedule. And mm-hmm. so this is this we, we might we could go down a lot of rabbit holes, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But we won't. 
No, but we so could. what rabbit hole do we want to go to first, though, in this Catholic clique? Because I feel like there's there's a list. I mean, there's a litany of things that we could talk about. There's so many different things that are in the news that are related to Catholicism or that a Catholic can have a take on that might be a little bit different than, you know, mainstream or the secular world. Um, where should we start? Let's go juicy. Let's go J.K. Rowling mm. juicy. Oh, yes. You know what? I'm glad. Yes, let's do start with that because I think that it's very pertinent to something that is legitimately a Catholic thing. And that's the USCCB's response to the Title VII ruling um, by the Supreme Court this week. Yes. um, Which was huge. And they're they're related. I guess we we should probably like maybe give a little like what we're talking about. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Not presume. Maybe not presume that everybody um, is following the same stories. But like. I guess in the first place, um, we should just say that, you know, it was brought before the Supreme Court, um, a a case uh, that basically um, appealed to Title VII of the um, Civil Rights Act, uh, which is basically um, a a part of the protection um, of employees from discrimination uh, that you cannot be discriminated upon based on your, what is it, your race, your religion, your nation of origin, or your sex. Right, right. right. as Catholics, we all believe those things. Totally. Those are, to- that sounds very the- reasonable. Yeah, and, and those are good things. Right. Um, but it was brought before the Supreme Court whether or not that would also apply to gay and transgender people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court, which we should know, again, when the Supreme Court says something, it's notable for Catholics because so many of our Supreme Court justices are Catholic. Are Catholic. <laughs> Right. And when they were being, you know, kind of offered up as as, you know, not candidates, but nominees, yes, nominees for the Supreme Court, many people were like, "Ooh, they're Catholic. They might just go with what the church says. It was kind of like that John F. Kennedy thing. You right. know, when he was running for president. It was like, "Ooh, we don't know if we should have a Catholic as president because he might just do what the Pope says. And, you know, <laughs> I think people forget the the country is so much uh, the, the church is so much larger than the United States of America. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, it's the Pope is the Pope of the entire world. Like every country has Catholics. So that's laughable, but yes, continue. Sorry. So so there is this issue that, that, you know, what the Supreme Court says or the rulings that the Supreme Court hands down, um, may be a reflection of the, the Catholic sentiments of the justices on the Supreme Court. So this particular, um, ruling is notable because I believe two, um, of the more conservative judges um, ruled, um, handed down this ruling as part of the majority. In fact, Gorsuch wrote the the majority opinion, and in that opinion, he said it is impossible to discriminate against a person for being homosexual or transgender without discriminating based on sex. So it's that appeal to that kind of last provision of the protections um, that that people cannot be discriminated on based on sex. Yes, he's saying if we have that as part of the statute. Pardon me. <clears throat> if we have that as part of the statute, then that would apply to um, homosexuals and to transgender persons. Um, but then immediately the USCCB's um, uh, president, Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles, responded with a statement just saying that he was deeply concerned that the Supreme Court ruling – quote, effectively redefined the legal meaning of sex in our nation's civil rights laws. This is an injustice that will have implications in many areas of life. By erasing the beautiful differences and complementary relationship between man and woman, we ignore the glory of God's creation and harm the human family, the first building block of our society. 
our sex, whether we are male or female, is part of God's plan for creation and our lives. So he, he goes on. It's a longer statement than that. But that was the Catholic response to the, the Supreme Court ruling. Yes. So what does that mean? What does that mean for Catholics? What does it mean for Catholic right. employers? Like, let's talk yeah. about... Um, and I think part of it is sometimes I feel like these are going to be such small instances here and there, mm-hmm. but I also feel like we're living in a time where there's such activists who will go out and target the church, mm-hmm. you know, to, to bring them down, to bring us down. Mm-hmm. You know, I really think there are some bad actors, um, in, in everything, but, but in this mm-hmm. situation, I think there's some bad actors like, you know, who, who want to make a statement and want to kind of prove that the church is um, something that it's just not mm-hmm. and, and, and use situations that kind of in everyday life circumstances maybe wouldn't be a problem. Um, for example, the little sisters of the poor. Yeah. You know, when, yeah. when there's all the these HHS a- mandate, yes, yeah. there's all these agencies that you can maybe adopt a baby from, but like, and you know, if you're a gay couple, that's against church teaching, go to a secular agency. Like we're not, nobody's stopping you. Nobody, you know, wants to harm your ability to, to adopt a baby and have a family, but it's just not in line with the church teaching and, and the little sisters of the poor, their conscience, you know, they, we, their conscience demands that they follow church teaching and I feel like there's been activists who have targeted them for that reason. So that's what I worry about with this. And I think that's a legitimate worry because I think it should be said in the first place that, and admittedly, it's hard to demonstrate this in this culture of like everybody wants to fight about something. Um, But we need to acknowledge that that it is evil to ignore the dignity and value of every human life. That includes... Homosexuals. That includes transgendered people. That inchu- that that includes everyone on the spectrum of of sexual behaviors. As a person, they have inherent dignity, and their life is valuable and should be protected under the law. Period. That's true. No questions there. But we also have to be clear about the church's teaching on certain behaviors, mm-hmm. right? And and how th- this is going to be the challenge moving forward, just as you said, like how does someone behaving a certain way affect um, their ability to um, uh, represent the church if indeed representing the church is part of their job? Right. Right? Teachers. And that's, it, oh, it's so hard and complicated. And I actually think that to their credit, um, the the Supreme Court's the, the majority statement, Gorsuch's language actually identified that as a challenge moving forward, saying, you know, we do realize that there will be religious provisions that need to be considered down the road, but in in his mind, and and according to the the material that was brought b- b- before the Supreme Court, and I think it was two of the two cases for this particular ruling, neither of them were appealing to right. religious liberty. Right. So I think Gorsuch and the majority are saying like that that could come. We we can address right. that. So bring it. Like right. bring those those you know particular situations so that we can make a ruling. Maybe you know protecting the human rights, the civil rights of transgendered people and homosexual people, but also recognizing that we do have religious liberty. Yeah, but I think how that's going to be balanced is. Whew. You know, I was reading on this um, the other day, or you know, when it first came out, and I believe one of the the cases that that was used as an example that was brought before the the court was um, a funeral home. And Mm -hmm. when you have a business and you want to be, 
religious or not, if you want to be represented in a certain way, if you have a brand or an image, um, in my mind, you you should say you should be able to say there's a dress code <laughs> here. There's a certain behavior. There's a certain um, you know style, whatever that that we want to portray. We this is the image that we want to portray. If if we're a funeral home, obviously this is a very solemn occasion. We we expect our employees to dress appropriately, to behave appropriately, whatever the case may be. And I think in this situation, there was a man who worked for the funeral home and had, you know, transgendered, had transitioned to a to a woman and came back to work as a woman. And and I think the the big part of it was the the, the clothing. I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. it was because the person had transitioned, but what I read was that there's there's a dress code for men and a dress code for women. And that was maybe um, a big part of why the person got fired. Um, so I just feel like what is wrong with, with, um, you know, having businesses should be able to, I think, set their own standards, but I'm, yeah. I'm probably a libertarian in some, de- yeah. some degree. I just, I feel like there have, we have to be able to respect people and yes, we're not going to fire people based on their sexual orientation, but there has to be some wiggle room, I think, for business owners to be able to say, this is our standard. And yeah. if, if, if you want to work here, we would like to employ mm-hmm. you. We would like to pay you a good earning, a good salary. We will cover your insurance, blah, blah, blah. But this is our standard. Yeah. I think, I think again, this is definitely a Catholic issue. Yes. Because, you know, obviously our bishops had something to say about it. Um, it will inevitably affect uh, Catholic businesses, hospitals, schools, you know, organizations um, and their ability to hire or fire um, based on certain behaviors. Right. You know, and again, it, you know, I hate to I hate to get, you know, super quippy and be like, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, that sort of thing, because I think that that gets like really simplified, it gets too simplified, you know, mm-hmm. but but it is somewhat true that, you know, that the Catholic Church does have a very clear teaching on certain behaviors. Oh, it's just it's just super duper hard. And so, I mean, to that end, you mentioned J.K. Rowling. I think that's the tie-in. That's that's kind of how we tie her in. So here, you say, that, sorry, you say Rowling. I say Rowling. Is it Rowling? Is right, I, don't I don't know. I'm assuming it's know. Rowling. Let's call her Rowling yeah, today. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Okay, so the tie-in. What's the tie-in? She. Yeah. So she, you go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say she said a couple things about this topic. And she's getting obliterated. Mm-hmm. And she's not, I mean, she wrote Harry Potter. Her books are banned in some, in the church. Some some churches yep. ban her books <laughs> because they, they, they're, uh, they're a little too close to witchery and witchcraft for, for some mm-hmm. priest, you know. So she's by no means a prude. <laughs> yeah. She's by no means like a super conservative, but... She's, right. she's not a bastion of conservative or Catholic thought. No, not even. But so it's bizarre that we're even talking about her and in, um, in this situation because she's getting just annihilated because she supported, um, I think, her very first tweet. Um, mm-hmm. And she hasn't even tweeted a lot. I think there was like one like or one support for maybe. A, was it a woman that was a was had transitioned kind of a. Mm. A traditional. No, it was okay. So it was her. I think the. I think the. The controversy started when she lent lent her support to a researcher who lost her job because the researcher expressed views that 
basically, I think I think the the quote is, "Sex is a bio is a biological fact and is immutable." Like that's what the researcher said, and the researcher lost her job. It, this is in the UK. Yeah. Of having said that, because it was some sort of like non-compliance with right. the you know, whatever the statutes were in the UK, um, you know, she basically is saying that there are two sexes, like there's men and there are women, and we can't change sexes. Um, and she lost her job because she said that. Um, J.K. Rowling basically said, or Rowling said, um, you know, I, I don't think she should have lost her job because she's stating something that, you know, is, is a is a science. It's, it's science. Well, it's based on science. I mean, people challenge that for yeah. sure, but like it's not nailed down. Like nobody has been able to convince the other side these are the facts. Although, you know, how, how good are we at convincing anyone of universal scientific truths at this point? <laughs> <laughs> it's 2020. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, things are things are so controversial and people just love fighting. And people and really so, attacked her. And so she actually yeah. went off social media for a while because I think yes. it it, it it really bothered her and she realized mm-hmm. that getting called every name in the book and mm-hmm. and really being targeted by mm-hmm. activists who who really aren't after a cause they're after destroying people who have yeah. even the slightest different opinion than you and so yeah. she was a victim of this so she kind of she left social media but then she came she said um in the statement that we I read that you sent me actually the other day yeah, her manifesto on her website yeah it's it's impressive and it's long mm-hmm. and she said she's been doing research for a series mm-hmm. she's writing and part of it i think has to do with the culture and um with you mm-hmm. know transgender culture and again she's not even opposed to it she's she's yeah. support she's very supportive of people who truly feel like they were born in the wrong body and have gone through this mm-hmm. but she also knows that there's dangers to it for children for right. you know kind of group think mob think mentality of kids who aren't even in puberty who are transitioning um right. to the opposite sex and she's seen through her i think through her research how damaging psychologically that is later mm-hmm down the road yeah. and so she's she's kind of become you know vocal on this and wow there's no mercy yeah no and that's the sad thing is you know just from just from a personal point of view I really do try to read every everything that I can that might be an um an opposing viewpoint from my natural inclinations to have a better understanding of where these people are coming from. And just from the very little of, I have read of the, the, the people who are not just critiquing JK Rowling, but threatening her very life and livelihood based on her, her, you know, uh, expressing her opinions and her thoughts on the subject is just disappointing. It's just super disappointing to me because we should be able to have civil discourse without, you know, people being so vindictive when someone else has a different thought. Doxing has become a thing. Doxing yeah. is when, you know, people basically lose their jobs and lose yeah. their livelihood because of an opinion or a position they've taken. Um, and she said that's what's happening to her. But she yeah. she she lists like many reasons why she has even spoken on this topic. It's kind of like a five-point manifesto, yeah. as a matter of fact. Like, she has five very, you know, pointed, specific, well-articulated things that she says, this is why I said what I said. Yeah, yeah. And and one of them is her experience. She said, you mm-hmm. know, I lived through abuse. I was married mm-hmm. to an abusive 
man. And, you know, I've never really spoken about it because I'm not a victim. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, I don't have the victim mentality, but I know what it's like to, to, you know, to be abused. And a lot of transgendered people are abused. They are abused. Yeah. Yes. They, they are in abusive relationships. And um, so she's really supporting people, but it, it just got taken out mm-hmm. of context. And, you know, they're trying to destroy her. An interesting part of her um, her manifesto that I thought was very impressive was actually her outspokenness about the porn culture as well. Yes. Like yes. that I thought was very laudable that she, I mean, again, this is, you know, this is <laughs> Hollywood, yeah. you know, that, that she would, you know, sort of take on the harm that or, or articulate the harm that is done to people in the sex industry um, and, and in the in the porn industry. Um, I thought that was very notable, too. But I do want to quote one thing that she said in her piece because I thought that this is kind of that this is kind of where she kind of narrows in about why she's so concerned. This might be I don't know if this is her fourth or fifth point, but um she said, I want trans women to be safe. So these are these are men who have transitioned into women and identify as women. And she said, at the same time, I do not want to make natal or girls that are born women or born female and women less safe. When you throw open the doors of, a, of bathrooms and changing rooms to any man who believes or feels he's a woman. And as I've said, gender confirmation certificates may now be granted without any need for surgery or hormones. Then you open the door to any and all men who wish to come inside. That is the simple truth. I mean, that's something that has been discussed for a long time. Remember when we had like Target bathroom (laughs) debacle? Yes, exactly. The whole bathroom situation. I mean, we can't ignore those things. Yes, they they may be rare, but but even rare instances, you know, cause big problems. I think that was where she tied in her abuse of like being in, you know, you think you should be safe in a women's bathroom, going to the restroom. And when a man can walk in because he says he feels like he is a woman. She said, even without any sort of hormone replacement, any Mm -hmm. sort of transition plan, he can just get a man can get a certificate and say, I am a woman. And because he feels it like we're legislating Mm -hmm. and making rules and laws and based on feelings and not science, not facts, not even any, you know, well thought out situation. Um, and can can go into a, a restroom with, you know, my little girl. It's yeah. bonkers. And it's so nice to hear somebody who, again, is not some bleeding conservative. <laughs> She's yeah. it say these things that are like, yes, you you're tapping in to a little yeah. bit of common sense here. Yeah, I think it's I think that, that is what makes it notable because there is that that sense of intersectionality in her manifesto regarding her thoughts of, you know, maintaining the binary sexes and protecting and really appreciating the experience of of women particularly. I mean, that's a feminist thought there. Yes. It's, it's it, you know, she she was expressing something that feminists have been pushing for decades that the experience of women is different from the experience of men. But if there is no real man or woman, like if it's very fluid, if, if gender is so fluid, if sex is so fluid, then can we really say that there is a particular experience in either direction? I think that's really difficult to say. And I think that, again, go, kind of going back to this intersectionality thing, like, 
the whole body of work that we call the theology of the body, you know, written by uh, Pope St. John Paul II, is based on this idea of the complementarity of the sexes, mm-hmm. that, that there is a, a binary gender, you know, there are binary genders, there, there are men and there are women and how they work together, what that, you know, what it means that male and female, he created them. Yeah. You know, the, these are things that we as Christians have to deal with very seriously, you know, and, and just going with the flow of the culture uh, makes it difficult to to be a biblical Christian. Right. It really does. Well, it, makes it's, it it's a challenge hate. for us. I mean, a hate crime almost. It, it, exactly. Well, and I think that's where that's where it really devolves yeah. into. To, I mean, we should be able to have debates about it ad nauseum. I mean, honestly, if we want to talk about this until Jesus comes again, that's fine. But when we start attacking people and and taking away their lives and their livelihoods based on opinions yep. that that you know are are not you know nailed down scientifically proven things. Yep. To some people, yep. like that's really, that, that's really dangerous. I think, and and if, I would just say this also: like, how can we even explore what the Pope meant by the feminine genius if we cannot clearly understand what it means to be a woman in the first place? Yeah, like so many things are lost, so many things are confused um, when we're not really dealing with with the truth of the matter, which is there are people who you know have serious dysphoria, sexual dysphoria, right. Th- they may really feel a certain way. Let's deal with that. Yeah. Because like, there's so much of our self-help culture, this personal improvement culture, that's all about like, be who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like you will not be happy until you just, you know, are who you are, how God made you to be. And yet we have this whole industry that says, you're not going to be happy until you change who you are. Right. Why can't we lend support to people who are, yes, dysphoric, yes, not feeling a part of the community, yes, not feeling loved, and give them inclusion based on who they are? Right. A hundred percent. She even talked about some of her interviews with different psychiatrists and psychotherapists and, and talking about different case studies were like whole friend groups yeah. would transition in high school in, in certain areas, like, you know, different cases. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, can you imagine? Like... It is not a common, it is not a common situation or condition to have um, this gender dysphoria. Is that how you say it? Dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It it is kind of rare. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but so to have like three or four or five or six kids all mm-hmm. at the same time, it becomes you realize how it becomes kind of group think and and mm-hmm. mob think and and when you've got like you said, an industry saying you're not going to be happy until you completely change everything about yourself from your, Mm -hmm. from your name to your, you know, body to who you are as a human being. Like we're not doing anybody a service. How are we exactly? How are we serving these people? How are we making them feel dignified and worth something without having to spend years of their lives um, at a great cost. None of this is free, FYI. Like, you know, we, we have like so many people who are making money off of people feeling bad about themselves. Right. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And again, I obviously, I hope it's obvious, do not think that we should, um, you know, d- defame or diminish the 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 personhood of any of these people who are seeking 
you know, a, a transitioning situation. Right. But like many of these people are so young, right? They're just so young, and they're making permanent decisions. And, um, and, you know, to question those decisions, I don't think is hate speech. No. And, and she even says, I mean, she, she supports many different people who have transitioned. But she said, you know, they, they were, they were older. They knew. Oh, she does give the example of that one woman. Yeah. She, she knew this was mm-hmm. right for her. You know, it was not, mm-hmm. it was not a, a feeling in her teens or her preteens. Mm-hmm. It was something that developed and took time to, to think about and to mm-hmm. transition slowly with, with hormones. So she is supportive of transgendered people. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the crazy thing about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, our world is so is so hard to navigate right now without being not just again not just critiqued but attacked for any opinion that you might have that is you know uh, against the stream yes absolutely and i think that is that's something that we're going to have to we're, we're going to have to continue to to deal with i don't think that's going to go away anytime soon i think it's it's a new normal almost like we're in a mask in the grocery yeah. store yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. watching what you say because, you know, freedom of speech is sort of out the door because everything's hateful. Yeah, I think, I mean, we need, we just need grace. We just really seriously need grace. And I had, I, you know what, speaking of we grace, Jesus. I had actually, we do need <laughs> Jesus every day. Um, and as, speaking of which, I was going to be really kind of critical. I was going to be a little hypocritical maybe <laughs> about um, about something that also came up, which I don't I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it, but do we want to talk about the Hollis thing? Totally. Okay. And I don't think we have to be hip, we we don't have to be critic well. Huh. We don't have to be ugly. But no. let's just let's talk about them for a minute. Okay, we've talked about them briefly because we had a blog about <laughs> her book and it was it really was one of the first blogs that people had strong opinions on. You were either yeah. in the the this is amazing. I'm going to share this. Like people who don't ever share our blogs, we're sharing it, um, mm. talking about it. But then you had people who really were offended by it. Were offended mm-hmm. by the blog that that one of our contributors wrote because uh, it was based on Rachel Hollis's book, "Girl, Wash mm-hmm. Your Face." And <laughs> <laughs> you said your sister loves the book. Some of my best friends were like, "You have to buy this book." You have to read it. It's amazing. And it's really kind of a self-help. Like it's a, yeah, it's a punch in the arm. You can do it. Um, and I did buy the book and I have not, I've never read it. It's sitting um, in my room. The The bind of it has not even been cracked. For some reason, mm-hmm. I just, once I got it, I, the thrill left. But I've heard that she's a fabulous writer. And, and mm-hmm. it is, I don't want to say easy reads, but you it, they're enjoyable reads. Like mm-hmm. she's got a great writing style. But she and her husband are gazillionaires because they have a business of helping marriages, like a marriage therapy empire, really. Right. Okay. So Rachel Hollis started very self-helpy, um, and she started the the Rise Convention, yes. um, where you know this is like, I mean. Uh, conference centers filled with women who are being empowered to change their lives if they want to, you know, uh, choose a new direction for, for themselves and all of these things. And, you know, they're, they're, don't throw the baby with out with the bathwater. I mean, she did say some things that are true, Mm -hmm. um, but an extension of the, the rise 
um, kind of movement and Rachel Hollis's whole branding thing was Rise Together, which was her marriage conference. And, you know, tickets were sold to the tune of thousands of dollars. Like people really invested in the fact that the Hollises had it figured out, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were like, at least in her book, you know, she talks about how um, she had this very, really toxic relationship. She felt used um, and then ended up marrying the guy um, and that they kind of worked through all of their troubles. And the the guy is, is her husband, Dave Hollis, you know, so she kind of like creates like this persona of this terrible situation with this guy who's using her and you know not being not not being a good guy and then you know it's kind of, it's it's easily kind of like well we we got over that and now we know the now we know what to do kind of mm-hmm. you know and you know if you i mean just google the hollis's marriage tips and you will have a plethora of examples of ways in which they kind of put themselves out there as marriage experts and and i ahead, I, I saw I saw a um, a video where these two marriage therapists were talking about the Hollises and they kept going, you know, they have these teachings and their teachings are so powerful. And to me, it's like starting to sound religious, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that people who follow them, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they followed them to the tune of idolatry, but they were big fans. They were invested yeah. in David or Dave, or whatever his name is, and Rachel, and their family. Mm-hmm. They knew their children's yeah. names. Yeah. They knew, you know, their funny quirks. Like, they felt like they were part of the Hollis family. Right. And they could do no wrong. You know, mm-hmm. if they said to do this, this is how you would have a good marriage. Um, well, and I think it's also important to point out that they did it in a Christian context, too. Like, you know, her, her books are published, or at least her first book, I think, was published by a Christian publisher. They appeal to Christianity. They appeal to, you know, even biblical mandates for how they, you know, operate in their business and in their marriage. And and I think what bugged me, and again, I, I have no intention, I mean, I my little voice isn't going to destroy anything, you know, but I don't, I don't mean to tear them down. But I think what the reason why I wanted to bring it up is they said something in both of their announcements. Wait a minute. So they both announced on social media we haven't even that they were getting, we haven't even said what we're ahead. talking about. We've just given a little bit of, Oh, we, yeah. we've, been, we've just given a little primer of who they are. So what, what are so we annoyed by? So they're get they're getting a divorce, which is so sad. Which I is, mean, it really is I sad. I mean, sorry, I, I did not laugh no. at the divorce. I laughed that we got ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we totally got ahead of ourselves. Um, they're getting a divorce again. They 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 are they set themselves up as you know these these kind of marriage gurus. Like they had so many answers, so many tips, so many things that they overcame. And then in both of their social media announcements of their divorce, they basically said something to the effect of like, "This isn't new. Like this has been going." on a long time. And in the same breath, we have been so real with you for so long. Please give us a moment of privacy so that we can deal with this difficult thing. And it's just incongruent. Because, you know, if if there really was transparency all along, I don't think any of this would be a shock to people. You know, I don't think any of this, and I, maybe people would not have bought tickets to their last conference. Exactly. Exactly. So th- they say now that this is, they've been really struggling in their marriage for three years. And I am telling mm-hmm. you, I watched um, my first and only podcast video of them the other day, and it was from three months ago. And they were talking about how much stronger they are in their relationship, how confident they are, how excited they are about, you know, where they're going to be a year from now and where their business is going to be and how their business has been a challenge, but also really brought them together. And it's like having another 
kind of another child because their business is really something that they're both so invested in. Right. Didn't they say like it was the third person of their marriage? Yes. Which, yeah. If you ever get married in the Catholic church or in like yeah. 90% of Christian churches, you're probably going to hear the phrase like there's, there's you three to get married. There's your spouse. And then there's God. Like the closer, yeah. it's like a triangle. The closer you get to, to God, the closer you are together. Like keep God in your marriage. But their third person was their business. Now that was maybe where I thought, okay, that's not <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, that was probably an alarm bell. Um, but but there was no even slight hint of we're struggling. Yeah, yeah. we're struggling because you know what? Nobody wants to listen to people who are struggling. You know, like right. people aren't going to pay you thousands of dollars to say this isn't working. <laughs> Right. Do you, you want people who have been over that hump? Yeah. You want people who are past the struggle to give you advice on how to get through it. So I think they have been pretty fake and mm-hmm. kind of frauds, really, in, mm-hmm. in their podcasts and in their conferences. Didn't they just have a conference like right I before so. coronavirus yeah, hit? Yeah. You know, they had one of those big conferences where they were selling their fabulous marriage and their tips to, you know, be like us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just wasn't authentic. So I don't, I, I, I did read Girl, Wash Your Face. I will say that, but I haven't read Dave Hollis's book, which is, I think like, get out of your own way. But I've heard several people um, use this quotation from his book as kind of like a mirror to what's going on. Have you read, have you heard the quote that people are are using? So this is directly from his book, get out of your way. I'll read it. It's not really, it's not super long. He said, This is about kind of mentoring, like how he chooses mentors or how he takes other people's advice into his own life. And he says, "Um, I filtered other people's relational feedback based on their track records. Have you ever been in a situation where the person giving you relationship advice couldn't themselves hold one down? In the same way, I wouldn't come to someone who was totally out of shape for advice on working out. The idea of giving weight to the opinions of someone who isn't excelling in their relationship is ridiculous. Plenty of people have tried to tell us the best way Rachel and I should be doing our marriage. If those voices come from people who are killing it in their own relationship, their thoughts are welcome. But if the feedback you're getting is coming from someone who can't keep a steady relationship, your best filter, your your best you best filter their feedback as it does not come from a credible source. Pot calling kettle black. And here's the deal. This is where I want to tie it in because I I mean I have I mean I've been I do follow them on social media. Like I, I'm not super invested. I didn't go to the conferences. I read <laughs> Rachel's book and I had, and I, you know, they're beautiful people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, they're a fun. Their social very, media is perfect. I mean, talk yeah, about I mean, a curated yes. family on photos. Brand. Like they, they, <laughs> yeah. they show you what you want to, they want you to see. Yes. And that's it. I, I agree with that. But where it resonated with me is because of what we're doing here at Bellator with Catholic lifestyle branding. And this is where I kind of have to do like a self check. And and this is where I can't even be too critical because but for the grace of God go I. But here's kind of where, where my mind was going like we now you and I are by no means making like any money on this Bellator endeavor. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost laughable. <laughs> um you know, we're not trying to get rich about, you know, off selling the Catholic lifestyle to anybody. But I do think that there is a lesson to be learned about transparency and the use of social media in, you know, just curating a persona yeah. of who you are in front of people that can be so dangerous 
and and there is an allure like we, we we would be ignorant and we would be foolish to say that there is not an allure but if tomorrow like for instance i announced that i'm leaving the catholic church i think it would be somewhat anal- analogous to the hollis's current situation right right? because like i don't flatter myself to think that i'm going to be like damaging other people because i took all their money telling them what a great catholic i am but i do think that there would be room for confusion and if nothing else the appearance of dishonesty in my own dealings if again tomorrow i was like you know what catholicism or even christianity jesus not for me not not for me i've been talking about it for this long i have invested this much you have spent this many hours listening to me talk about it but never mind. But but for the last three years, before <laughs> almost the entire time I've I've been doing Bellator, yeah, I haven't I, I haven't really it. had a faith life, or you know I haven't. Right. Yeah, it's it is. It's so um, it's just fraud. It's really it's, it's it's and it's demoralizing to other people too. Again, I don't want. To, again, I'm not trying to flatter myself and think that other people would be damaged if that's what went down today. But that is kind of what people are feeling yeah. who followed the Hollises, and that they feel they they do feel like, oh, what am I supposed to believe now? There's some hurt feelings. Yeah the yeah. the the two marriage therapists that I saw that, um. I think it's one marriage therapist and he has a a blog or a podcast and he was interviewing another one and she's a big fan and she was like visibly hurt. Mm. Like when, when a celebrity breaks up, like when Brad and Angelina Jolie broke up, I kind nobody of was, was crying. I was bummed for him because I, I sure, want but, marriages and, to work out, but I wasn't but like, nobody was crying because it wasn't our example of what a marriage should be. My or heart, a relationship should be. My heart wasn't broken. Like I was sad yes. for their kids. Yeah. I was kind of like, well, another one bites the dust, but these people, it's like, it's a family member for them. You know, they are yeah. so invested in the, in, in this couple because they are, were so good at what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, they really yeah. made you feel like, they were um, investing in your life and they were letting you in on in, into theirs. Like maybe I have a seat at the Thanksgiving table at the Hollis's. Mm-hmm. And I think they were so good at making everyone feel like that. And this, so this poor woman, she was like, she was visibly upset um, mm-hmm. about their announcement. And, and she said, I just feel duped. Well, and you know, here's the deal too. Like, just as we said before, it, they were so, they are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like that perfectly curated Instagram. Like, you know, they're, they're living the kind of like materialistic life. And I'm not saying they are materialistic, but like if you just look at the materialism factor of it, like beautiful home, beautiful kids, beautiful clothes, great jobs, nanny, like all of the things that the secular world might tell you is super important and beautiful, they have it. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt yeah. they, they've got those things and we as you know catholic evangelists as, as really people trying to to spread the love of jesus christ through our faith we we do appeal to beauty you know yeah. that's an important thing for us right but i think again we have a cautionary tale here if it's too beautiful then then you lose sight of the reality right you know, if, 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 and I think that's, a, that's something else that we have to deal with just in our, um, I'm going to say the word again, hagiography, you know, <laughs> of the saints. Like if you make their lives too beautiful, yeah. too unattainable, then, then people do get a little disenfranchised, you know, like, how am I supposed to do that? Right. 
you know? And again, I think that's why we need modern day saints that are showing us their flaws, showing us their wounds, and showing us how they are daily in the struggle of overcoming themselves. If there's anything, again, we're, we're, we're you know, right in the middle of this month of St. Jose Maria Escriva, but if there's anything that he is teaching us, it's that it's that daily battle with ourselves every single day that will, that'll, that'll, you know, make us holy. Right, right. The sanctification. And we didn't get to see that. And I guess that's, that's the thing. And again, that, I don't think the Hollises were even, you know, championing themselves for sainthood. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but like that I think that that was problematic in the whole process, especially as it as it ended with their divorce announcement is we didn't get to see the real struggle. Right. 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 As she said, we were duped. Yeah, we were duped. I don't know. It made me sad. It made me sad for their kids. It made me sad for people who are, you know, legitimately struggling in their own marriages and were looking to them for help. Right. Who right now might feel very like, where do, where do I turn? If they like, can't where? make it. Yeah. There's no hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's no hope. I think one thing I, I saw um, in, in the one video that I watched of them, she said, you're either growing or you're dying. Like your marriage is either growing mm-hmm. or it's dying. That's like their big, one of their big, mm-hmm. um, it's about everything. Teachings. It's a very personal yeah. improvement where thing they, they would kind of keep coming back to it. And, and this episode that I watched that was from three months ago, but they highlighted this episode, like their number two episode from like in their mm-hmm. very beginning of their business. And they were talking about how that's still, their philosophy, you're either growing or you're dying. Mm-hmm. And I think we live, and, and I think they probably got caught up in that. Either mm-hmm. you're going to the, getting to the top of the ladder or you're falling back. And I mm-hmm. said to you, you know, sometimes we're just kind of standing still. Like it's okay mm-hmm. in your marriage to to not always have fireworks going off. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that, you know, life is bad. But I think when you get in that mentality of, Go, 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 go. We got to improve, got to improve, got to improve, or we're getting a divorce. You know, there's, there's just, yeah. and I think we see a lot of saints who, who talked about that. Like Mother Teresa it was, is famous now for, you know, the dark night of the soul. Like it's not, when you follow Jesus, it's not always spectacular. It's hard. It's they're dry moments. They're dry years sometimes. Like part of sanctity is getting up and showing up again and sticking it out and sticking with those vows and and mm-hmm. you know bringing your spouse along with you and and praying that you know the Lord blesses you and 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 at some point, you know, through prayer and work and whatever that you can kind of overcome your your struggles. Now, I'm not saying you know, in a marriage where there's abuse and things like that, that's oh, no, that's not where not. I'm going. And we don't know. You know what? The Hollises may be in a marriage with abuse. We don't know yeah, that. Yeah, that's totally true. Again, mm-hmm. not transparent then. Yeah. Um, but but I guess that the idea of growing or dying to me is just mm-hmm. not true. Well, and that's exactly, I mean, that that's kind of on the nose where um, Kristen Hamill, who wrote the kind of pushback piece that we that we published um it was no need to wash your face girl that was mm-hmm. the, that was the title of Kristen's yeah. piece that's kind of what she was that's kind of what she was pushing yeah. back on that you know Rachel's whole like like thing is you can hustle you can dream big you can achieve it you just have to push harder you just have to keep trying you can't give up wash your face girl get it done yeah. you know that that's kind of what her mantra was and Kristen said something to the effect of just in her personal experience like sometimes just being quiet and still is how I'm going to impact the world you know Yes, of course, I can have all of these big dreams and, and, you know, do all of these things. But what if God is calling me right now to just be quiet Mm -hmm. 
And and she even quoted Mother Teresa at the end of her piece, which I thought was, you know, very well placed. But yeah, I think you're right that, you know, we're not, this isn't, it's just, it's just so hard. It's just so hard because you don't want to be overly critical of things that we can't see. Mm-hmm. But their brand was based on, we're showing you everything. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing behind this curtain because we're giving you everything. <laughs> there, w- perfection in this world is um, probably not not the case. Yeah. 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 It makes me sad for them. I'm sorry for them. And again, sorry for their children. But I think that it was a gut check for me. Yeah. Um, again, based on what we're doing here with Bellator, because this is a social media platform in a lot of ways. You know, we are putting things out there that can easily be critiqued, torn apart attacked, all of those things. But I hope at the end of the day that at least I'm leading the kind of life that is authentically Catholic and that people who who know me, who I don't put a lot on social media, but, you know, even <laughs> people who follow me c- could see that, you know, okay, it it is real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of modern day saints, do you want to quickly touch on um, a modern day saint? Yeah, totally. Because... We have a very cool thing here in the Diocese of Nashville, and we're going to try to see if we can reach out to this family and um, and maybe talk to them. But um, it was in our diocesan newspaper this week. It was even on like um, Catholic uh, news agencies' website this week, where there's a family here in um, in the Diocese of Nashville whose child, who is just like Samuel's age, so like just five, I think, um, named Mikey or Michael, um, is the mirror that is pushing forward the founder of the Knights of Columbus. It's Father Michael uh, McAvenny, I believe. Maybe that's how you pronounce the last name. We're just going to say that's how you pronounce the last name. (laughs) But basically, he was the founder of the Knights of Columbus. He is a servant of God. So he's on the the track to canonization. But there's he, he has... He has taken one step further in that direction based on this miracle of this little baby um, boy who in utero is diagnosed with uh, Down syndrome and another condition, I'm forgetting the name of it, whereby basically, not because of the Down syndrome, but because of this other condition, it was um, to be just terminal, like he wasn't going to be able to survive um, past birth. And the family prayed for the intercession of Father Michael McVenny and um, basically got the miracle. Oh! And the story is so cool. It's so cool. This child is beautiful and thriving. He does have Down syndrome, but this other condition um, that, that he was diagnosed with in utero um, basically just miraculously resolved um and he was born into this world and into a giant catholic family i think he's number 13 in this family and that's a cool thing too because um father mcveny was uh number one of 13 kids and baby michael is number 13 of 13 that's that's kind of a cool little little sweet connection and just a quick one i always like to reiterate this in case listeners um don't really know exactly how the catholic church deems a miracle a miracle um the it's rigorous it there's Mm -hmm. a lot of testing a lot of um investigation expert investigations that go into it they don't just take a mom and dad's word for it like my son My son was cured. Okay. You know, I mean, there's a lot and they have to prove that they were praying for yeah. the intercession through the intercession mm-hmm. of, of this person. So, so to get that is a really, really big yeah. deal. Um, yeah. So that's so cool. 
And I think the mom said something to the effect of like one of her prayers was let Michael be this miracle. Like it was a very specific, you know, intentional intention, yeah. you know. So um, I'm just so I'm so tickled that that's kind of a, a cool local story. And, um, and, and I'd love to follow up with them. And Fran, if he's five years old, that shows you it, it was probably about a five year process of investigation to, to declare it because oh, totally. they've just declared it. <laughs> Yeah. So it, yeah. it's not like it was six months or nine months. I mean, it was years of, you know, church process um, to get yeah. to this point. And so I think it was cool. just last month that the Pope approved the miracle. So yeah, you're Very right. Cool. Very cool. Um, are you ready Super for last cool. little bits? Oh, that was going to be my last little bit. Oh, Do that was a, that was a good last little bit, actually. If that was yours, <laughs> that was good. Because that's a local thing for you. I have a yeah. last little bit. Can I give you mine? Yes. Okay. So we just had the feast of um, Corpus Christi, which is where, you know, the, the body and blood of Christ, where we um, celebrate the source and summit of our faith, which is the Eucharist. And Father Mike Schmitz gave such a fabulous homily. Now, Father Mike Schmitz is a very popular priest. He has Ascension Press. He's um, does a lot of work with kind of young adults. Um, he's just very relatable, just an all-around great priest, and he's a great apologetics. Like he, mm-hmm. when he talks, you kind of like to listen. He's a good storyteller, um, and he's really devoted. I did not realize. Um, I think most priests are devoted to the Eucharist, but mm-hmm. he has a very special devotion. He said before he was a priest, like he he would love to talk about the Eucharist if if given the option. And so he gave because we're streaming masses. Normally, you wouldn't see almost every priest with their homilies, you know, online. But because he's streaming his masses still, he said for like maybe two more weeks, his um, homily for the Feast of Corpus Christi was excellent. And a contributor of Bellator Society shared it yesterday. Um, I shared it just, I think, in in one of our Bellator Society our gathering, gathering group. group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shared it to my stories. But we're going to put it on our main page um, in case yeah, you're not part of the... Worthy. Bellator Society Gathering Group. He t- he goes through the scripture, but then he goes through some Eucharistic miracles that we've had in mm-hmm. our church, um, you know, over the years, and some of the testing and some of the experiments, um, and just kind of how it all ties together. It is fabulous. So if you've never listened to a Catholic priest um, say a homily, start at the mm-hmm. six minute thirty second marker. Um, is where the scripture, you know, the the gospel starts. And then after in the Catholic church, after the priest or the deacon reads the gospel, there's a little kind of lesson or sermon. Um, we called a homily and his homily was really, really interesting and just beautiful. So that's my last little and, bit. See, that's a great one. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I, well, I do have one more okay. last little bit then because it's cor- it's correlating with that. So two of my kids served the Corpus Christi mass with our bishop at the cathedral downtown. And let me just say, Oh, I miss beautiful masses. I just do. Like, I like watching. I mean, watching, I'm glad that we have had the opportunity to watch mass online. You know, I don't know what we would have done without that. You know, yeah. that, again, that that's one of the good things about the internet. Yep. But man, being in the church, especially a beautiful church, um, you know, celebrating such a beautiful solemnity as the Feast of Corpus Christi. Um, we had incense. We had, and you can smell it through your mask, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it was just such a beautiful, uplifting mass. And kudos to our bishop, Bishop Mark Spaulding. His homily was excellent as well um, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, because I think you're right. I think anybody, any man who is giving his life 
as a priest of Jesus Christ, has to have a special devotion to the Eucharist. And, you know, what a fantastic Sunday to be able to just kind of profess your love um, for the Eucharist, which is the, you know, source and summit of our faith. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm proud of all of our priests. Absolutely. And we thank them deeply, deeply, deeply for the work that they're doing in our lives. On the internet, yes, but man, it's nice to be back in the churches. Feels like you're home. Yep. Love it. This was so fun. It was fun to just talk to you, Fran. It's been a while. I know. It has. It has. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.